Welcome to Movie Heaven, Movie Hell with me, Simon Aiken, and... And I'm Keith Isles, and we are both independent filmmakers who enjoy discussing movies and related media. And for this special series of episodes celebrating 40 years of Star Wars, we're happy to be joined by uh, two of our regular uh, filmmaker podcast friends. Uh, we have on the line Alex Brunning and Clive Ashenden. Hello. Welcome, guys. Happy Life Day, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Yes, indeed. Oh, uh, <laughs> so so we've, we've had a few podcasts where we've, uh, we've looked at the prequel trilogy, the original trilogy, um, the, the, the new saga films. And uh, for this one, we are going to look at some of the standalone films within the uh within the star wars franchise over the years so we're going to be looking at things like the ewok movies the clone wars and rogue one uh but we're also going to talk about the first one is the i i, I almost can't bring myself to say it what are we going to talk about we're going to talk about the <laughs> star wars holiday special yay this was the did this come out? This came out the same year as New Hope, right? No, it's coming at 78. 78. Okay, fair enough. So the year after. So a uh. um, little history uh, about it. Um, when I was a collector uh, back in the late 90s, um, these, this is one of those videos that uh, you would get under the counter, you know, what with, <laughs> you know. It's, it's true it's kind of like you know somebody who had a copy and they would you know pass it to you on a vhs because um george lucas allowed the uh, a tv network to do this holiday special thinking you know what's the harm in doing it and then he saw it and from that point on uh he wanted every copy of it in existence to be destroyed and you know, with good reason, but it, amongst <laughs> amongst them, amongst the collectors, it was a, a sought after item because it was uh, forbidden fruit. Um, it just made it that more appealing. You make it sound like Star Wars porn. <laughs> um. Well, there's that weird bit where one of the Wookies has a hologram headset with a a dancer in it who's getting seems to be turning it trying to turn him on or something it's uh yeah it's, it's a bit close to porn <laughs> wookie porn so i mean you know that's that's you know that's dinah carol come on you know she's uh tells him that you know she's she finds him uh finds him adorable you know so and I, I think we shouldn't judge, you know, interspecies relationships. You know, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a big galaxy. Um, and, you know, we've got to be, we should be broad minded about these things. We should, we should be inclusive of all of it, indeed. But it, it is fair to say, though, that if George didn't like this, this, this definitely wasn't considered canon then, right? Well, you say that, but uh, <laughs> they subsequently uh, released the, uh, uh, the animate the animation which formed part of the holiday special as a as a Blu-ray extra. So, you know, there's at least part of it that is kind of, you know, be, had an official release subsequently. So, 
I, I guess you you could point to that uh, you know first appearance of Boba Fett if you wanted to as as being something that's uh, you know not being completely disowned maybe hmm. yeah I mean that was the thing that I think uh, most of us collectors were were interested in because it was the introduction of uh, Boba Fett in the Star Wars universe and uh, we just we just wanted to see what that was like um, tell the truth we you, we never really talked about the rest of it and I, I, you know and having now seen it for good reason <laughs> I think the problem with it is there wasn't much to the rest of it yeah I, I always thought that was that was the issue with it nothing really happened apart from uh, uh, all the basic actors looking incredibly uncomfortable and embarrassed I mean it was bizarre Yes. Bizarre watching. You're, you know, well, like watching watching a car crash. You know, a bizarre variety show. That, yeah. Uh, that, yes. That, that, that they were obviously contracted to do, <laughs> but uh, didn't necessarily. I mean, bloody hell! It's got Harrison Ford in it. I mean, uh, and Harrison <laughs> Ford makes it obvious when he doesn't want to be in something, doesn't he? Yeah. Well, <laughs> yes. We 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 know he doesn't hold back if he doesn't approve, and. Uh, uh yeah i mean um yeah you're, you're right though clive the, the the boba fett thing i suppose is the significant bit i mean this is this is one of um three characters that have been introduced into the star wars universe via uh animation because uh obviously first it was boba fett in this uh then we had general grievous uh in in the clone wars the original animated um series that came before the movie and then of course we had Saw Gerrera who was introduced in the Clone Wars TV series so um, yeah three times we've had characters that come in following movies uh, that were introduced in in animated shows first so hmm. yeah but B. Arthur didn't appear in Empire Strikes Back sadly so uh... (laughs) well she had a bar to run that's true. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. I mean, it's ah, uh, it watching it and just remembering what programming used to be like back in the seventies. It, it 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 kind of works the rules of a holiday special. You have a lot of guests in it, and they do little uh, bits in it. But this bizarre um, idea of hanging it around. Uh, a Wookiee family and they all talk Wookiee. There's no subtitles or anything. <laughs> so you have no idea what on earth they're going on about. <laughs> I, I always I always had that thing of uh, um, you watch it and you expect Val Lincoln to sort of turn up, you know, his little rocking chair and start singing with, you know, mm. sort of guest stars. It was a very, 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 our um, sort of structured format for it, you know, it's like it's family Christmas. But you look at the hype from, you know, the year before when Star Wars was released, um, there was so much interest and there was such a delay on uh, getting Empire that anything that was coming out, anything that was available, people would lap up. I mean, I've never seen the actual figures of the viewing figures for it, but I bet they were bloody high. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> I mean, people probably suffered through all, what is it, three hours of hours. It's, 
amazing, amazing TV. It must have been absolutely amazing. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you get a musical number by Jefferson Starship, right? You know, <laughs> yeah. so, you, you, you know, there's, there's, there's a wide range of entertainment within this dribble, isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I think that sort of, uh, you know, Alex, what you're saying about, um, oh, God, what's his name? Um, Val Doonigan. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the Val Doonigan of, of this is uh, Carrie Fisher singing uh, the Life Song. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> <laughs> That's a treat in and of itself. Yes. And Mark, Mark Hamill with lots of eye makeup, if memory serves. Well, this was after he had had his uh, car crash. So right. that's that's why he yeah, looks right really off. plastic. Yeah, it was he, right. He hadn't he hadn't been hit by a wamper yet. Yeah. Yes. So <laughs> mm. though I, I cannot explain the hair in it. His hair is so <laughs> weird. I, it must have been a wig or something. But oh, it looks he just he does. He looks like his uh, his plastic figure. Wasn't it a wig? Because he had had, uh, because of the actual scarring to one side of his face, he had actually had his head shaved on one side. It's probably so, a wig. Uh, yeah. It's probably a wig. Yeah. Oh, well. There you go. Wigs uh, and... That's a good spot, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking about that now, it's, it's probably a wig. <laughs> well, obviously he didn't have time to go and dye his hair like he does in Last Jedi. <laughs> So, so I mean, guys, I think we, I think we need to kind of, uh, you know, delve into the holiday special in terms of what it tells us about Chewbacca and mm. and his life. Okay. You know, uh, so we find out Chewbacca is married. Uh, he has a wife called Mara, a, a dad called Itchy, and a son called Lumpy. <laughs> Lumpy. That's Lumpy. Mm. Is the name of his son? Yeah. Yes. Um, and Lumpy is very annoying. <laughs> yeah, Lumpy is very annoying. Uh, <laughs> and also, Chewbacca, not really a stay-at-home dad, is he? Uh, no, but it's okay because he, he turns up for one day every year <laughs> without fail. So that's awesome. <laughs> Chewie's a deadbeat dad. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? Uh, is Chewie? Is that dated yet? So how long has he been married and... Why are the kids so young? You know, it's um, it's an oddity that two mm. hundred know? year old Wookie with a uh, yeah, um, mm. yeah. Well, yes. I, so mean, I mean, Lucas timeline. You know, yeah. Uh, I guess he was I mean, just they waiting the for the right the one, planet, don't they? Kashik or whatever. Is that the first time we hear that in this holiday yes. special? Yeah. Okay, so although that, everyone it gets pronounced in a really strange way, doesn't it? I think they call what? it Kashyyyk. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't yeah, watched it's, it in a couple of years, so uh, I'm, I'm dredging up memories of it, which aren't very happy. <laughs> it's 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 fresh in my mind because I've just uh, <laughs> I, I've, I've just re-experienced it. Um, yeah. So this time I, I watched the Rift Tracks version. Which I have to recommend if you if you if you decide to watch all of it because uh, you know uh, there's plenty of opportunity to just watch the cartoon on its own if you want to do that you can do that but yeah uh, the Rift Tracks version does sort of make it fun you know so if you're if you're not going to sort of 
stimulate yourself with some sort of chemicals, then I'd say, you know, watch that, watch that version. Uh, it's the only bit of the homework that I didn't do. I must admit, I didn't revisit the holiday special. So I probably haven't seen it. Last time I probably saw it was when I was in film school. So that would have been late 90s or whatever, when myself and James and Rod and whatever, we sat and watched it and couldn't believe it. We were like, what the hell is this? <laughs> it's one of those odd things about it, though. It's it's the whole staging of it was amateurish as well. You know, this this film that come out and changed everybody's view of sci-fi and sci-fi adventure. And uh, um, it was really poorly done. I mean, the sets were not great. Um, it wasn't exactly, we've spent a lot of money on this, guys. It was, you know, almost crossroads that, you know, they banged the door to the wooden <laughs> part too hard. <laughs> the roof would come in. It was. Wow. So, so far, we've had mentioned in this podcast Val Dunigan in Crossroads. <laughs> <by God. laughs> it is like a, the start of the 70s podcast or something. <laughs> I was 11 years old when this came out. So, I, I'm thinking back to it and I'm going, it was shown in the UK. Uh, wow. Late okay. night. Uh, um, I presume it would be ITV but at the time. But. I have no memory of it at the time. It was not something that was advertised, not something that was pushed and things like that. So, I mean, you know, Lucas got his way. You know, he didn't spread around the world, did it? No. Well, this, I think, it instilled in him um, the need to sort of control everything about Star Wars because I think he was very hands-off on this. He was like, you know, somebody came up to him from a network and said, you know, we would love to do this. And he was like, hmm, okay. <laughs> and, well, I mean, uh, yeah. he, he, he did, he did write the outline though, didn't he? He gave them, he gave Dude. them an, yeah, he, he gave them an outline. Uh, oh, okay. where he sort of, Cause that's why, that's why they celebrate, you know, if I think if they were just left to their own devices, then they'd be celebrating Christmas, ah. even though it's just supposedly yeah. takes place along, uh, you know, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Yes. But, but, uh, but yeah, so, so, uh, and it was his idea to have it on the planet of the Wookiees. Right. See, yeah. well, I, I think that angle is, is where you have to look at it. Cause you remember he's disassociated himself with, uh, um, funding for his next project and he's looking for money. You know, he's, you know, he's selling as many toys as he possibly can. And he's, pulling in money here and money there from, you know, uh, small little uh, people that he knew around around the business. But he was looking for capital for his next movie because it was his. But he, uh, he was owning it. He was So how much did the network pay him for this? You know, he gave him three hours of, <laughs> of network time for his... Uh, two, two hours. It just feels like three hours, Alex. Oh, it does feel like three hours, <laughs> But do you know what I mean? It probably, yeah, it probably took place over like four hour slot one evening or something with the amount of commercials that they ram in amongst it. Yeah. So uh, first time I watched it, it still had the commercial breaks in the recording. It was brilliant. <laughs> the commercials were more fun. <laughs> you can still watch it with those with those uh, commercials from Baltimore. You know, uh, <laughs> which is which is great. You know, all the GM motors and. Uh, uh, you know uh, the Alka Seltzer well, adverts in there. Do you know that the plop plop fizz fizz? <laughs> <laughs> I love that advert. 
<laughs> it made the <laughs> <this> show. <laughs> There's one for a, a toy called Tobor, which, uh, which you know, uh, Tobor is robot spelt backwards, kids. There you go. See what they did there. That's good. Wow. Uh, it was a daring, a daring idea. Because remember, we, we, we live in a world now where film and TV crossovers are so common. You know, um, we don't distinguish between the two, you know, a lot of the time. And you think... Here's someone in 1978 going, well, I'm going to cross over movie with TV when there wasn't any connection apart from the only one that had the connection was Battlestar Galactica. You know, that was the only other thing that had a connection. That was the TV company pushing uh, um, their TV show into cinemas to hopefully build their, uh, you know, build their, um, their TV viewing audience. Well, I but, mean, Buck Rogers did that as well. I remember Buck Rogers was released was here as yeah. as as a, a film and uh the you know the ewok films that we're going to talk about well over in the states they were tv movies but yet they got uh, theatrical releases over here it's because tvs wouldn't touch them <laughs> um <laughs> bizarre, you know mm. i don't know i i even though the even though it was an absolute travesty the <laughs> You know, this this TV outing for the Ewoks with the rest of the cast from Star Wars sort of thrown in as an aside um, was probably a marketing, you know, marketing genius at the time. You know, it's even though he, he regretted it the minute it was actually aired, um, it, it, it just, you know, sort of kept it going. You know, if you look at if you look at the, you know, uh, how Empire you know, two years later, exploded across the world. You know, and the US, it, you know, I think the opening weekend was almost double what Star Wars was. Mm. I mean, it's, it's you, you sort of think, even though we regret it because it wasn't that good, it was a marketing coup because it, you know, it, it probably gave him quite a bit of money from the network to help him fund the film, you know, and more publicity. Not that Star Wars actually needed more publicity, but... It was uh, it was quite well received, bizarrely, at the time. <clears throat> well, there you go. But uh, I, I take it. I, I'm assuming, obviously, with the uh, the Disney acquisition of it all, that um, this has definitely moved to the realms of legends now, <laughs> right? Yes. <laughs> I fucking hope so. <laughs> I do another one. <laughs> don't have Disney out. They like their holiday specials. <laughs> <laughs> Come to Planet Mickey. Yeah. <laughs> oh, could be frightening. Mm. Uh, All right. Anything else anyone wants to add about the holiday special? Actually, well, I, I think I, we've given it plenty of time. <laughs> well, I, I want to I sort of, say a couple of semi-positive things about it before we move on. Okay. Oh, go on. Um, it is, uh, I mean, I'm struggling here because it is pretty poor, you know. Uh, well, but, you're, you're the guy, Clive, you're the guy that called Star Trek Five shit. So I want to know how you're going to justify anything good about this one, Clive. Well, okay. I mean, bear in mind, and this is like, you know, so, so it's like two hours. So it's mean scraps here. But what you do get to see is something you don't get to see in, in any of the main movies, which is, 
the empire what it's like to be under the heel of the empire for like the everyday people around the galaxy so we okay. get to see the empire doing big things like blowing up planets and you know sort of uh, chasing down the rebellion but in this one you actually get them to see them going you know sort of uh, imposing curfews on uh, on planets and uh, and just going into people's houses busting stuff up they you know hey a stormtrooper rips uh, rips Lumpy's toy Bantha in two. You know, it, it's. I mean, that's that's. Ooh, ooh. If that if, if that's not fascism, you know, <laughs> it, it, it like incarnate. I don't know what is. So you get to see that, uh, and also you get to. Uh, uh, there are a couple of sort of touching moments. You know, Han and Chewie have a big hug at the end when when Han leaves. You know? <laughs> and, and and it's like, oh, that's nice. You know, yes, you know? and Harrison Ford looks like he's enjoying every second of that. Oh, doesn't, doesn't, he, doesn't he say i love you too buddy or something <laughs> is that not a line if memory serves does he not it's, say you know it, it's it, it's you know it, it's it's special it's it's a special oh. lifetime miracle you know <laughs> um and i don't i don't care what you say i like carrie fisher singing at the end so there we go you just <laughs> carrie fisher like especially then i mean when they did the special she was slimming down for the next role the game she had yeah. buns in this one, right? Like in New Hope. Yes. Yeah, it, was yeah. the same, it was all the same costumes and stuff, wasn't it? Remember? But then, Luke, Luke, Luke doesn't get his um, awards room uh, gear, does he? He's, he's back in his farm boy gear. Is that yes. right? Yeah. 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 It doesn't make any sense, but there you go. <laughs> that's what he relaxes in. Mm. You know, that's what they're trying to say. Um, right, no, right. The, other, the other thing about it, you think about how things progress. I mean, Wachowski brothers and, uh, um, you know, then used the idea of, you know, a cartoon interlude to connect and introduce new characters, you know, the matrix, the matrix yeah. you know, um, so it's sort of interesting that, you know, 20 odd years after, you know, uh, he had done it in a, you know, a regrettable holiday special, it's repeated again, you know, and it's, you know, and even though, you know, the second, you know, second and third Matrix films were, hmm, um, you know, they were made even worse at the point that said, if you haven't watched the cartoon, you can't understand it at all. Uh, <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, the, the Matrix was very much based on uh, anime and they wanted to pay that back and they wanted to work with uh, quite a few famous um, anime yeah, animators. It's, it's, so I think that's where that came from. And um, it's interesting that they followed that path, you know, it's, yeah. It's the same with uh, Planet of the Apes and the uh, cartoon season that they uh, oh, they push don't, through. Don't knock the cartoon season of Planet <laughs> of the Apes. My God, that's a whole other podcast. I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> yeah, but between film and TV series. It's... <laughs> I mean, one thing I did notice watching the cartoon in this is that it's weird. It's like uh, because of the way they're drawn, Luke and Leia look very similar, almost like they could be brother and sister. Really? So uh, I know. Wow. So I wonder if that's where if, if George oh. got the idea from that. You know? <laughs> um, I think wow, that's really interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I must admit, when anybody sort of says, "Oh, George Lucas had a plan for the whole trilogy," you just go, "Well, why did you know? Why was Luke so interested in Leia in the first one?" <laughs> <laughs> you well, know. you know, he has an odd, 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 odd idea about. <laughs> 
Oh, dear. Right. We're coming up to his his sort of uh, little peccadilloes and obsession next, aren't we? Mm. Which is the Ewoks. Yes. Yes. I I mean, talking about the Ewoks, wasn't originally uh, the idea that Return of Jedi was going to feature the planet of the Wookiees. Yes, that's correct. Yes. So, so I, so did, did the kind of the sort of, you know, how much he hated the TV special, like contribute to the birth of of the Ewoks then, do you think, Uh, you know, as to why he didn't end up going down that road? Mm, Possibly. I mean, I'd yeah. say with Return of the Jedi, um, it, it was very more about a metaphor about like the little guy beating the big guys, and I think he went literal with it with having little teddy bears <laughs> instead I, I of. Where you're I mean, from, yeah, fetish <laughs> he has. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, what 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 Lucas has actually said about this was in his original screenplay for. Uh, you know, what was then Revenge of the Jedi or whatever. It was um, uh, a, a group of Wookiees that would that would overthrow the Empire. But he said because, you know, we'd seen Chewbacca and Chewbacca had been, you know, quite a sophisticated character flying spaceships and, you know, dealing with technology. And again, like you said, Simon, that sort of metaphor about the the, the primitive and the, and the little people mm-hmm. overthrowing the Empire that's when he decided to go complete opposite. So he said, so rather than the height, he went for shortness rather than long shaggy fur, he went for short fur. And then, you know, rather than like laser crossbows and stuff, he he went with the whole, um, you know, flint sticks and catapults and spears and all that sort of stuff. So, so that, that's where it kind of came from. Mm. Um, But, you know, what, one of my, one of my, if you like bugbears with, with return of the Jedi has always been the fact that um, much as I like the metaphor of it all, um, I do sort of, I always found it, even as a kid, I, I, I always found it a little unbelievable um, <laughs> that, uh, y- y- you know, the, the Ewoks could overthrow um, the Imperials with, with all their technology you know, and weaponry so, so easily, you know. Key, um, that wasn't, do you know, the thing with the Ewoks when they're introduced in Jedi, one of the big problems I have was I, I think back to Michael Palin um, when they did Jabberwocky, uh, um, and he talked about how do you make somebody in a costume look not human, no, look not uh, um, like somebody in a costume, and um, you know basically the Python uh, uh, idea with that was they literally had the guy walking backwards, so he looked bizarre. And they structured it. Um, but the point is that somebody in a suit looks like somebody in a suit. And the thing that made our, um, the Wookiees work, um, and Chewie specifically, was that he was fucking tall. He was very, very tall, you know? So he he changed the perception. You know, he was outside of things. You know, uh, the problem with Ewoks in Jedi is they looked like, children and small people in costumes. They just didn't function. Um, they really didn't function. You know, you just you just try and look at eyes when you actually watch the film. You know, none of the eyes work. They, they're just yeah. bits of well, plastic. He, he's, he's tried to fix that in the special editions, only <laughs> with blinking. But, but yeah. yeah, that doesn't work either. You uh, know, because it's not functional. It's 
it ever the whole premise of uh, um, the Ewoks was flawed. It, it was never going to work. Can I just add as well? The cynic in me says that uh, Ewok toys would be more sellable than uh, Wookiee toys. Yeah, true. Probably cheaper as well. Mm. <laughs> That's okay. more like- I, I, at this point, I feel like I have to defend the Ewoks. I'm stepping forward into the Ewok corner, okay? And I'm going to, uh, I'm mounting, um, this, is, this is the spirited defense of the Ewok peoples. Okay. Um, okay. Nub, nub. Right. Uh, when I, when I, I watched Return of the Jedi at the cinema mm-hmm. when it came out, and I had no problem at all with the Ewoks. I, I feel like, it's so easy to come at this for, for a kind of adult point of view, and the and the Ewoks aren't meant for adults at all. But then, and I can see I can see why you look at them and, and kind of poke holes and stuff. But what? I will uh, I will say that there is like a long hist- a long history in like real human history uh, of of like small guerrilla forces, uh, you know, taking down much like bigger and better armed armies that come into their territory because they know their territory and they and they have weapons and tactics that work there so i mean you could view that it's like a big metaphor for uh, uh, for vietnam if you want to Clive, yeah. i completely agree with you you know i i i watched i watched the uh, um i watched return jedi and states you know uh, um when it came out and it was a great film it was fabulous that you know and as you said the the idea of the ewoks is great it's the idea of them that's great not the right. actual realization of them and i think that's for me that's always been the problem when he introduced or lucas introduced them is if we'd had cgi then where we could create them and, and make them feel real you know, and if he had done a little bit more research, you know, into, you know, our, um, simple native cultures and things like that, about how they interact and how they behave, it would have been great. But they were basically soft and cuddly and didn't look very real. And that that made it, you know, if they behaved the way they behaved in Return of the Jedi going forward, they would all be dead in a couple of weeks. They couldn't survive in this you know, this this environment they lived in, you know, when you watch the Ewok movies and the creatures that are out in the woods and the forests with them, you know, they'll be dead within a week. So for me, it was, that was the problem is the believability of the actual Ewoks themselves would have been fine if they'd had the technology to actually make them feel real. And the actual anthropological, you know, sort of research to make their culture feel real. But he didn't. Ah, uh, but you see, Alex, you know, all this talk has been about Return of the Jedi so far. You, you know, we haven't yet gone into the incredibly in-depth world building and, and, and sort of uh, and broadening of the Ewok cultures that we get in uh, Ewok's Caravan of Courage and Ewok's The Battle uh, battle for Endor, right? It's very right. deep. It's very true. It's like Caravan of Courage is, is just so much, you know, sort of, uh, you know, an anthropological, you know, survey <laughs> into the Ewok, Ewok culture and Ewok history that, yes, perhaps we should discuss that further. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'd say when I was a child, I saw both these films um, on video 
and I can kind of remember my reaction to Caravan of Courage. You know, it, it was for me as a kid, you know, my parents were everything. So the idea of these kids' parents being uh, kidnapped, taken away, and them having to, um, you know, try and rescue them, I thought, you know, I found was, you know, really sad, but, you know, really made for a good adventure. But having gone back and watched it, it's not very good. <laughs> It's, 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 I I would say it's definitely a film that's aimed at children. Um, The production values in it, probably not, they're not that high. It's that weird thing where it's it's a TV movie. It it kind of looks like a TV movie and, you know, it's, it doesn't quite have the the quality of a, of a film, but as a kid, you know, these were, were, were films and, um, but saying that, I I think I enjoyed uh, Battle for Endor a lot more than I enjoyed uh, Caravan of Courage. Yeah, Battle for Endor was sort of a, a micro version of uh, Return of the Jedi, wasn't it? Let's go into the forest and battle our way back. It sort of felt that way. Sort of. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, what a way to start a film. I mean, I know we're going to jump around a bit, but yeah. I, I have to. I mean, the thing is, so Caravan of Courage, they they went through all this effort to rescue the parents. And then the beginning of Battle of Endor, not only did they kill the parents off, but they killed the boy off as well. Mace, yes. And, and yeah. The, yeah, they they like the name Mace in the Star Wars universe, yes. don't they? Yes, um, Mace Windu. The, yeah, and, the, and they changed the actor for the dad. <laughs> <laughs> the film. Like, yes, you got the headmaster yeah. from Ferris Bueller, no, from uh, The Breakfast Club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, Paul, Paul yes. yeah. <laughs> yeah. You'll get the horns, boy. <laughs> um, but yeah, but having said that, the, the 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 mother deserved to get killed off because I have to say the actress that played the mother in Caravan of Courage was appalling. That was appalling. Yeah. You say that, but like, she's the only one who's ever gone on to anything else out of uh, all those actors. Yes. No oh, Netflix right. in there then, yeah. Um, yeah. But you see, I, I hadn't seen these films until this week. Oh really? Okay. Yeah, I was. I was always okay. aware of them through things like you know Starburst and Starlog magazine and stuff like that. But but where I where I lived um, down in the south of England, it never got. Um, these didn't get theatrical releases uh, down. I, I guess they may have done in certain cities, but it didn't. It didn't down where where. Um, I lived and for some reason the the local video stores didn't stock these either so I, I never I never really saw them but because I wasn't you know for, for, for me you know my Star Wars fandom was all I could never make up my mind whether it was New Hope or Empire Strikes Back which was the better film you know mm. and, I, and I was I was never I was never really into uh you know the even as a kid um particularly into the Ewoks but uh so I never really felt I was missing out by by not seeing these films, but had always been aware of them. So, you, you know, I got to experience this for the first time literally, yeah, uh, you know, a week ago. And um, I have to agree with you, or like you've said, I I think that the the battle for Endor was actually a, a more enjoyable film than than the Caravan of Courage um, Ewok film, but. Uh, <laughs> Caravan yeah. of Courage was difficult because it seemed to me that they'd cast Shirley Temple, 
in the sort of lead role as a little girl and I expected to sort of burst into, you know, the good ship lollipop. Or, um, and she was one of the most annoying child actresses ever. You know, just such an annoying kid. You uh, know, I must admit, I thought the boy was more annoying. Yeah, but they killed the boy off in the second film and they didn't kill her off. <laughs> What's that about? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he got, yeah, he actually did get a bit of screen time at the beginning of the second one, but literally like a, a, see, a scene or so, wasn't it? And then, yeah. and then he, was, he was killed. I, I was surprised they went there, actually. That was, uh, that was quite dark for a, a kiddies TV movie, you well, know? Yeah, um, um, but, you know, Battle for Endor was the, the darker of the two films. Um, I mean, you, you had that, like, nightmare sequence when she was in the, uh, the hut by herself and she's, she runs over to the bed and it's the, the, the lead guy in it. You know, you you had that kind of it was that kind of dark fairy tale to it. Well, definitely yeah. remember the the first film, you know, Caravan of Courage is basically Jack and the Beanstalk. Mm. You know? Yeah, uh, yeah, with, with with a bit of the Hobbit thrown yeah, in when they're like, caught it, in that spider web thing. Instead <laughs> of getting the harp, they're they're trying to get the uh, um, was it the transmitter uh, as part and the you know the family you know the parents and the uh, other people who are taken, but. You know, it's the transmitter that they need to get. You know, it's the, you know, it's the heart. You know, and the golden goose um, in Jack and Beans. It's it's sort of an interesting. It's sort of an interesting idea that, you know, it's like. I, I think Lucas always wanted to try and, you know, tell fairy tales, and I think this was you know a bit more because if you look at the Ewoks, the transition from the Ewoks was, he then went to Willow, mm. you know. Um, which was, luckily for him, you know, uh, you know, an up-and-coming director, you know. Directed from, by uh, Ron Howard, yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, created something that was fabulous, you know, that uh, managed to marry all that up, you know, the, the little Elwins and things, you know. I, and I think he was progressing to that anyway. And I think he was trying to tell those stories in uh, um, the Ewok movies, especially Caravan and Courage. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think I think these both the Ewok movies seem to me to be aimed at slightly different age groups. Mm. I feel like Caravan of Carriage feels like it's almost aimed at preschoolers. It's yeah. it, it's like it, the pacing is much slower. It's it's sort of reminding me of something like Teletubbies, where it's like everything is is kind of is is kind of stated for you uh, that they you know rather than doing what the holiday special did, where you have characters just grunting in it at each other and you have no idea what they're saying and this you have burl ives a special guest narrator and and, and so it has this almost like um it reminds you it reminded me of like one of those sort of disney movies they used to put as like a b feature with with their re-released animated uh, films that's in right sort yeah of, uh, in the in the early 80s where it was like incredible journey or you know yeah. and here we uh, where, where they just be narrating the lives of animals yeah. Uh, and and it was like that, and and here we have, and, and here we have the the Ewok family and uh, engaging in their normal hunter gatherer routine. You know, it, it was it's almost anthropomorphical, uh, anthrop right. anthropological. Right. Sorry, uh, but uh, yeah, but I mean, then you come to sort of some slightly weird choices, uh, which I was like, oh okay, you know, like they uh, Ewoks riding horses. Um, so that there, there is so so in this world there is some sort of earth fauna, but there's also things like giants and kind of uh, stop motion creatures and puppets. And so 
it, it, it was interesting because it, yeah, <laughs> was there a skunk it, or something running around at one point? Or chickens, did I imagine you know, that? <laughs> it, it's uh, yeah, but it but it's weird because it, it sort of it made me think, huh? The the world building in Return of the Jedi wasn't all that fleshed out. It's it, it's interesting because it's like. In all in all the in all the Star Wars movies, they're sort of you know it's it's kind of uh, almost like a trope in that in that each planet has almost like one ecosystem, right? You know, you have the desert planet, you have the you know you have the sort of uh, snowscape planet, planet yeah. the ice planet, you know, and uh, with the moon of Endor, you have the forest moon. Uh, but if you if you compare uh, if you compare it to something. Uh, you know, whenever, even if you walk into your, like a wood or, you know, not even going to like a rainforest or something like that, these forests are teeming with life. But you don't, but the only sort of indigenous life we really see in Return of the Jedi are the Ewoks. Uh, and if you compare it to something like uh, Avatar, where, where, you know, the forest is filled with all the, uh, this whole ecosystem of different interlocking creatures, it's, it's like, I mean, you know, I, I'm, I, I don't, you know, it, it doesn't bother me, but it, but it, it's, it sort of almost made me think retrospectively back, thinking, huh, it does seem weird how there's almost like, you know, that they've treated Endor like it's, you know, in a similar way to to Hoth or Tatooine, where you got little kind of spots of creatures, but but they, you don't get this whole kind of cornucopia of people, but then at the same time. I understand story reasons, you know, you, you're focused on, you know, getting to the shield generator and, uh, and then the, uh, the battle, the, the battle of Endor, you know, so. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, thought, yeah. It's, right. it's kind of funny that, you know, Lucas then, you know, when it came to the prequels, went the opposite direction and just filled the screen full of shit. <laughs> full of, <laughs> you know, just full of stuff with different creatures and different things and just, you know, yeah. There's no structure, no where do they come from, what's their environment. Think Light's right. It's, I mean, I understand that the Ewok movies were originally TV movies, so they didn't have the budget. And, you know, Avatar had one of the biggest budgets of all time, and most of that was on the animators going, oh, what should we create now? Mm. So you can see that they can create an ecosystem. But, I mean, you think at the time, it wasn't, wasn't relevant. I mean, if you look at everything that Lucas has done, you know, in the Star Wars environment, He's never explored where people have come from, structures. Perhaps that's why the holiday special upset him so much, because, oh, my God, they're giving some background to how the, the Wookiees live. <laughs> you know, who knows? Well, I mean, I, mean, I mean, now with the latest film, they're even dealing with class systems and whatever, you, you, you know, um, it, within that universe. You know, you've got, like, the, the, uh, the, the ridiculously wealthy and, uh, you know, slave kids and you know all sorts of stuff going on but um but but you're right i mean in return of the jedi endor did seem very small but but you're right it's just because you know it was to serve that sort of part of the story whereas obviously in these films he did try and sort of flesh the culture out um a lot more but but uh what what i was always slightly confused as with these i mean that they're obviously made the year after return of the jedi and i think there was only a year between the two productions yeah but th this was i'm guessing supposed to be set 
before the events of Return of the Jedi, right? That's that correct, was yes. supposed to have happened, yeah. Which, the first one, obviously, we had Mr. Narrator, which was fine. But by the second one, you know, we, we had Wicket speaking, well, English or basic, as, as they call it in the Star Wars universe, which I guess he learned from the little girl, right? Which is, which, you know, you can kind of buy that. But obviously, by the time he meets Princess Leia in Return of the Jedi, he's forgotten all of that again, because, um, <laughs> you, 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 you know, and I, and I know why they did it in terms of a production thing. It's aimed at a kid. So we're not going to be read. They're not going to be reading subtitles. They just want it easy and accessible for children and stuff. But um, but it did make me kind of think, oh, uh, is this supposed to take place? When, when exactly is this in the in the sort of timeline of it all? Um, and uh yeah i mean it, it was yeah. it's one of those things i think uh it, 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 in terms of their um i i mean i know they're not considered canon but in terms of you know expanding on on the ewoks and giving them a bit of a backstory uh as far as i'm concerned they're they're harmless enough from that point of view you, you, you know i mean we've got a few a couple of the ewok characters from from obviously Wicket being the main one, but you, you know a couple of the others from from Return of the Jedi in there. But obviously we got a whole load of new characters, and I did think in the second one that sort of speedy, like weird puppet thing that he would have been quite handy against the Empire. <laughs> you know, he could have he could have got got into the shield generator and out before anybody knew it. You know, and stuff <laughs> like that. See, I did sort of think, oh, what happened to him? He, he should have gone off on the ship. With, with, with the girl <laughs> and the old man, you know. <laughs> yeah, that was a creepy thing. Teak, uh, yes, yeah. Teak, there you go. Yes, yeah. teak. Uh, I mean, I have to say one of the other odd things about these films is, well, you know, is well, magic. Um, in in in, 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 Carab in, <laughs> in, Carav in Caravan of Courage. Uh, you know, Logre, the kind of shaman of the of the Ewok tribe, who, who we've, we met in Return of the Jedi, um, he's, he, uh, is he a force user or is he just a magician? Because he gives every he gives everyone going on the uh, in the caravan a, a kind of like magical gifts. Uh, you know, he turns basically in this he's like Gandalf. Mm. Um, and and I think in that one I can just about go okay so he's kind of like a latent force user that's I can see that yeah I mean by the time we get to Battle for Endor it's like proper you know wizards and witches and kind of uh, you know then it's it sort of it feels not really in universe I mean it's it, it does feel like a like a very much in between film between uh between willow and you know and, and return of the jedi you know it does feel like that stepping stone because you've got there there's an evil witch who shapeshifts in it yes. yeah i mean yeah. I, I mean it, i mean that's not a sith power i'm i'm familiar with but perhaps i'm 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 not I'm wrong you know? yeah and the, and the bad guys looked a bit My star trekky to me they had a little bit of like the kazan about them or something you know it, it did it all kind of like you said it didn't sort of feel didn't feel particularly Star Warsy. It felt like um, it was sort of from another universe a little bit. But um, yeah, I think it's because yeah. if you, if you look at if you look at the uh, um, the Battle for Endor, you know uh, Lucas has stepped away even further. You know, he's he's you know I, 
it, the amount of production stuff that he gets involved with seems to be a lot less mm. and a lot, you know, his writing is, you know, he's literally, it's taken from a story of his. So probably nothing to do with what he wrote in respect to it in that. So it's perhaps, but then again, it definitely seemed to be a progression from, you know, the first Ewok movie, second Ewok movie to what, three years later in 88 or whatever, um, Willow, where you are, lots of little, uh, little people are, um, in a completely magical world, you know, um, I, I don't know. I, it's the battle for Endor was, yeah, it was dark, but it was, it was terrible storyline that you just sort of, I don't know, you know, <laughs> the problem with the Ewok movies is that there's nothing to them. There's not great stories. You know, they're sort of mimicking, you know, bits and pieces of fairy tales and bits and pieces of, you know, other, other films. And there's nothing special about them. There's nothing, there's nothing to entice you into the story, let alone, you know, around um, poor choices of actors and not very good telly plays. Um, well, can I just, I just say, though, I, I would say that uh, the casting of Wilfred Brimley in Battle of Endor was inspired because <laughs> I have to say, I yes, never, yes, I yes. never knew that I wanted to see Wilfred Brimley do a sword fight before seeing this. <laughs> And now I don't want to see anything else. I just want to see <laughs> Wilfred Brimley doing sword fights because it was, it was he was he was the thing that ever um sorry um elevated elevated bloody hell elevated elevated yeah. thank you <laughs> elevated the story. I mean when he comes on screen, it's it sort of raises it up a bit. And at the end of the day, these films were definitely made for children. They they're not for a general audience. It's the kind of film that you put on for the kids and they'll sit there and they'll watch it. And at the end of it, they'll, you know, it'll keep them quiet for a bit. And then, you know, once it's over, they, they want to watch something else. And, you know, that's that's fine. But, um, you know, it's it doesn't kind of have the same longevity that the, the rest of the Star Wars films have. Yeah, I mean, it was it's that kiddified Star Wars feel. And... Um... Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it's 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 interesting that he wanted to do this actually, and and you know take the Ewoks and because because he did he did write both of these films, I believe, didn't he? he wrote the story outline at the least. Story, yeah, 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 and and a lot of his team, his Lucasfilm team were involved. I mean, I know uh, Phil Tippett did some of the um, stop go animation um in in these films because because obviously it's you know back at the old school of um uh, of having to do the effects that way and uh you know some of them work some of them not so, so not so much but uh well, yeah, some of the matting especially with the giant in uh, um caravan of courage uh, it's just appalling it's um <laughs> yeah it's yeah, you can yeah. tell there is a tv movie because there wasn't any finishing there wasn't any you know, secondary passage, it just was, you know, this is what was created, this is what it's going to look like, you know, and it it looked like, you know, characters standing in front of a, you know, projected screen. Yeah. Uh, so, it's unfortunate. Um, well, I mean, I mean, Cl Clive, you, you, you and I have had discussions, 
you know, prior to me even seeing the Ewok movies about the Ewok movies. And, uh, you, you, you know, I know you've, you've got kind of a, a sort of special nostalgic place uh, for these. I mean, to, to you, are, are, are these canon or, or does it just yeah. not matter? What, what 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 do you think? Uh, I, I I think people get hang very hung up on what's canon. I I I, I saw I'm pr- I mean I I think I saw uh, Caravan of Courage at the cinema. Uh, I mean prior to rewatching it for this, I can't say as I I had like a really strong memory of it. I remembered the uh, the the blonde uh, moppet haired uh, little girl. I you know I remembered Wicket was in it. I remembered I remembered it being sort of fun. You know. Uh, I'm not. I don't know that I've ever seen Battle for Endor. Strangely, I, I don't remember that coming to my local cinema, but perhaps it did. Um, mm, I, I, I get the feeling it went straight to video to the truth. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I think I was I was maybe that little bit too old when that one did come around finally on video. So this was the first time for me seeing it. I mean, the thing I kind of react against is this idea of kind of almost like like Star Wars purity, you know, that, you know, this, these, especially for me, I think, you know, Caravan of Courage was a theatrical movie. I know it was made for TV. So the idea that you can kind of put it in a box and pretend that it was never made. I, I don't really agree with that. And I, and I like the idea that there's different Star Wars for, di- for, you know, for different people, especially for different, at different times in your life, you know, Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not going to get uh, the same thing out of it now uh, than I did when I was, you know, a, a very young kid watching uh, Caravan of Courage. But then that's fine, you know. Uh, <coughs> and I, and obviously, and obviously, I'm watching it now with a slight veil of nostalgia, uh, probably. But you know, and I recognise neither of these are particularly strong films. But they they're not awful either. I, this I don't think. I find it very difficult to dislike them, even 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 though there are spots where there's some very poor acting, there's some effects that aren't very successful. Uh, but you know, but I mean, I, I kind of in, I kind of enjoyed them on the rewatch. You know, mm-hmm. um, no, I, I'll so, give you that. I, so 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 you know, I, I I think my I guess my point is that uh, don't just sort of damn them you know out of hand and okay if you don't like Ewoks this not going to be for you is it but uh but I think if you know if I was going to if I if I you know if I was going to try and introduce like you know like young kids to Star Wars uh then this then you know Caravan of, Caravan of Courage as a my first Star Wars film <coughs> sort of sort of you know primer isn't isn't that bad a thing i think you know uh assuming you know that you're uh, that the young child isn't so sophisticated and already watching you know sort of cg fests already <laughs> but you know in terms of the storytelling it's it's kind of a, it's quite sweet you know yeah. so I, I i would say that's reasonable i mean you, you know for someone who hadn't seen these films and you, you know going to watch them recently you know i went into it with a lot of cynicism about it because I'm not the biggest Ewok fan in the world. And I sort of thought, oh, God, you know, and these had a reputation of being quite bad films. Um, But on watching them, to be perfectly honest, that they're they're harmless enough. Um, Yeah, some of the acting's a bit dodgy and some of the story points aren't that great. But at the same time, in terms of a piece of entertainment, um, 
you know, I agree with everything you're saying. If 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 I had a um, you know, six year old nephew or something, and and or, and I was you know going to introduce them to Star Wars, this absolutely isn't a bad road into it whatsoever. Um, and you know, in terms of expanding on the sort of whole Ewok mythology, uh, it does that. As as I said, it's you, you know you know me and my my obsession with. Uh, continuity and and timeline <laughs> and stuff and you, you know it's a little bit it's a little bit difficult to to to, to buy everything about this uh, as as having happened prior to return of the jedi but at, at the same time yeah i you know they weren't too bad and um i i definitely preferred the uh i preferred the second one um but you know that also had its problems as well. But <laughs> but they had they had some heart to them, and they had there was a story that you could follow. So um, you, you you know yeah, not not bad at all. So yeah, <laughs> I I didn't hate them like I thought I was going to. Yes, I mean I have to say though I I wish there was like a. Uh, the, the release of these films were had a, a better presentation than they actually have. They are kind of like, you know, they, I know they're on DVD, but they just kind of like, we'll just release them. And so they're there. And, you know, oh, yeah. yeah. Just stick them on and yeah. stick up, churn them out. And that's it. We'll make money off it. And, well, uh, yeah. there's, you know, there, it's part of that wonderful sort of culture around star wars because you know as as well as having the ewok films we had the ewok cartoons we had like the droids cartoons you know and that that those are really hard to find now when as a kid growing up watching those on tv i you know i love those that's kind of stuff they may not be canon but it's you know it's it's part of that universe you know it may not be you know, canon, as I say, but it, it's still, you know, it, it's still kind of, you know, part of my love for Star Wars and, you know, along with like the comic books and the, the books and stuff like that and the video games, that all of that stuff is still kind of out there for you to, to get. But the sort of cartoons and the, the films in some sense aren't. And, you know, it, it should be out there for us. It certainly kept uh, Anthony Daniels in in a regular paycheck, didn't it? Yes. Well, <laughs> Anthony Daniels, uh, you know, owes his whole career to uh, Lucasfilm. <laughs> he just won't Doesn't let it go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Otzi Fripio. <laughs> My name is Anthony Daniels. I now talk like this. <laughs> uh, anyway, talking about cartoons, let's move on to our next film which um, originally was supposed to be the sort of four-part opening to uh, the uh, TV series. But uh, George Lucas decided, you know what, let's release this theatrically as a film. And we, That's got, right. we got Star Wars The Clone Wars. Yeah, released in 2008 as a sort of... Um uh you know introduction to the the clone wars television series um and as a sort of follow-up to what george lucas describes as the pilot of of the clone wars which was a um 
hand-drawn animated series that came out in 2003, 2004. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they were available as, as little webisodes that, um, that sort of bridged the, some of the gap between the end of Attack of the Clones and the beginning of um, uh, Revenge of the Sith. Yes. And obviously they released this film and, and the subsequent series, which I think ran for five seasons. No, I, want to uh, say. Um, I think it's seven and there was an eighth series planned, but uh, it was made but never released. Okay. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, yeah. This, this, this was this was directed by Dave Filoni, who's who uh, has since gone on to be the sort of showrunner for the Rebels mm. uh, yeah. animated TV series as well. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the, this this introduction movie. What what did we think about this one then? Um, I wasn't a fan of it. Um, I <laughs> I remember enjoying the the animated. Um, as you say, websites, the stuff that was done by the guy who did Samurai Jack. And it had this like unique style. And we got the introduction of General Grievous, who seemed to be an absolute badass in these cartoons. But yet when he turned up in Revenge of the Sith, was nothing like this character. I mean, in, in the cartoon, he was so dangerous to, to Jedi, it was ridiculous. This was before Mace Windu crushed his lungs or whatever it was. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> mm. Um, did anyone go? To, I mean, I, I went to the cinema to see the Clone Wars. The, the, this this uh, feature. Did did anybody else? Or no. Am I the only sado that didn't went go and... to the cinema? Okay. Mm. <laughs> I, I didn't go to the cinema. No. Okay. Um, I didn't didn't uh, uh, inspire me enough. Um, to actually make the effort. Uh, yeah. The problem is, is it, it was too commercial. You know, um, the release of the film was preceded, what, 12 months before by the release of the new toys. You know, the it's it just seemed to be like a money-making exercise um, on something that nobody was particularly interested in. I mean, if there was Clone Wars and big space battles and things and they were going to do it live action, everybody would have gone, oh, great. And he goes, I'm going to make it, you know, uh, a cartoon which its whole structure is aimed at teens. Um, you know, the storylines, the character looks, the, you know, you could even say it was, it was aimed at the, you know, the Japanese market, you know, because the characters suddenly changed and looked far more anime than they had ever done before. Um, so I don't know I was always prejudiced against it you know it's not a great it's not a great film either you know it's it's an extended episode of those short TV series you know yeah it it, it does feel very TV wise I mean the the plot being that um, Jabba the Hutt's son has been kidnapped and um uh, Obi-Wan and Anakin have to try and rescue them and also Anakin's now got a apprentice uh, called uh, Ahsoka Tano and um, you know somebody who is introduced in this film but yet has no part within 
the rest of the prequels. She does not turn up in Revenge of the Sith at all, and there's no mention of uh, Anakin actually having a, um, you know, having an apprentice, even though this character still carries on into uh, the Star Wars canon, uh, especially in Rebels, because she turns up again there. And it's 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 this weird thing where, you know, you, just talking about her character, you know, she she plays a big, you know, she comes across in the film like Scrappy Doo. <laughs> you yeah, know, that's, she, ne- that's never that's never a good uh, good sign, is it? <laughs> she is. I, I don't know. It's it's somebody. It's a character that's created to appeal to a certain uh, democratic, uh, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, she she's somebody that doesn't play any part within the films, but she's here in the cartoon. But I, I think especially in this movie, I actually watched the, the actual TV series and I found her to be less grating in that than she was in this. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I have to say the TV series was a lot better. But surely, Simon, but surely, Simon, <laughs> the fact that she's so irritating does not not explain Anakin's hatred of younglings, <laughs> you know, uh, and and therefore and therefore give uh, motivation to to the massacre of the younglings in in the next film. No, no, yeah. I, I always I always took took his motivation uh, motivation for that for the the bad acting those kids gave in those films, you know. Obviously, they were like some pro- producers' kids that got put into. This film, you know, it's you know, uh, you know, especially in like Tack the Clones, you know, that one kid that goes, maybe it was erased from the computer, and you know, going, mm-hmm. young ones, I loved them. <laughs> I mean, this, this, this film. I mean, okay, you know, there was, we saw some battles in it which mm-hmm. is good because you know like we were saying the other day you know it is it is star wars not star politics right so uh we actually got you know we, we get to see the clone wars which was largely skipped over in the movies um apart from the end of episode two and the beginning of episode three so we get that sort of gap in between uh that three-year gap or whatever it is filled in uh with this series but the, the trouble with this this film to sort of kick things off was, um, you, you know, apparently it was George Lucas's idea to, because uh, he was very involved in this, to have Jabba the Hutt be in it and have that, you know, the, the, the kidnapping of his kid and whatever to be the sort of um, main thrust of the plot. But it was, a, it was a bit of a weak one because they're all like, oh, well, you know, uh, if, if we don't, if, if we don't get the Hutts on side, they're going to sort of, choke off our, our you know shipping lanes or whatever so we you know the jedi have got to help them and all this sort of thing uh you know whilst there's these obviously massive battles going on and uh, of course they had to make it all very kiddified as well so um you know it was all about again george came up with these but it was all about nicknames like stinky and fly guy and um mm. uh, what what did he call her nip nips or something nips, they, they've yeah. all got their like uh y- y- you know sort of silly um 
you know, very kiddified sort of nicknames and stuff. And, uh, you, you, you know, I've not seen all of the Clone Wars series. Um, I'm quite a fan of the Rebels series, but I've not seen all of the Clone Wars. But I, my understanding is some of the episodes of the series are actually very, very good mm. and, and a lot better than this, uh, this initial, uh, you know, feature length season episode. Five. Season one of the Clone Wars TV series is uh, um, very well written. And you get some base on characters, even though the stories are sort of spread out and not connected very well. After that, it becomes so chaotic. And I think it, that stems from the film. You know, the film is a bit chaotic. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't have a story about the Clone Wars. It has a side issue, and then the Clone Wars is the background to it again. Yeah. Um, yeah, a bit. Uh, Sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, I, I, you know, they call it the Clone Wars, and you go, well, yeah, I saw a bit of the Clone Wars as well passing going this way. So, um, and I think that's the TV series, the first season, they had some really interesting storylines, which I would have thought would have made a better, sort of, you know, a better idea for the film. But you know, as has been said before. He seemed to be obsessed with this Jabba the Hutt story and reuniting the Huts with the universe, which I don't particularly get. Um, but I, I, it it was so commercial, and if you watch the series and Rebels as well, um, its characters appear twelve months after their their little toys have come out and their little characters and things and which was driving which. And I think it shows, I mean, it was far more about, you know, uh, um, how can we, you know, sell new toys, new this, um, new but Star Wars has always been that to be fair. I mean, I mean, well, like, like, no, like, Star like, Wars has the, become that. The, yeah. I mean, let's take the new film, right? The, the, the Porgs, the only reason they're even there, like at least Ewoks had some involvement in the actual story. Uh, the Porgs are just there to sell plush toys. Uh, uh, no, mate, no, they're not. The Porgs are there because the the island they filmed on, they were, they were, was, it was filled with puffins and it yeah, was easier yeah. to, to, uh, to CGI over the puffins than it was to try and remove them. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah but, you know, by it, the same merit, they're a big, uh, <laughs> you know, they're, they're going to sell toys, aren't they? You know? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, I mean, this is this has been one of the problems I think as well. Kind of started in Return of the Jedi, and kind of it, you've seen it more and more with each film. Um, that it you felt like a lot that the characters in there weren't there for the sake of the story; they were there because they would make an interesting toy or figure or collectible, you know. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, in the Clone War films, uh, you got a lot of new vehicles. You got these sort of walking tanks uh, that you see them scaling up the wall with and stuff like that. And they, these tanks have also appeared in, um, in Rebels as well. And um, so, you know, again, it's just more, more, you know, collectibles and toys. 
But mm. actually, with mm. rebels, they've done it the other way as well, which I which I love. When I was a kid, mm-hmm. one of the things I had was this. Um, it never existed in the film, but I had a um, thing called an Imperial Troop Transporter. Ah, uh, yes, and it yes. was basically a thing where you could put like six six figures around the edge, and then like a a pilot and a co pilot in the front, and it was like a it was supposed to be like a, a land speeder type thing, yeah. And um, what 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 makes me laugh? What, what I love is is because the uh, the creators of, of Rebels, uh, you know, were sort of grew up in the same generation as us and had those things as kids. That they, they've kind of incorporated them into the world of Star Wars now in in the animation. And I must admit, I did get a bit of a kick out of that. I was like, oh, that's cool. They've included what used to be a, a Kenner toy. Yeah. Uh, oh, one yeah. Of the vehicles. Yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> that is one of the things I actually like about that series over the Clone Wars uh, yeah. is, you know, it, as you say, that vehicle, which for us was a toy, but which never appeared in the films. But there it is, you know, being used in this cartoon series. And they also the um the the walkers that they have which the design came from the marvel comics because that was that appeared in like a marvel comic so you know there's all these sort of wonderful touches of that um you know and also the fact that it's taking place in the original trilogy's universe and it's not the prequel universe Ah, nostalgia. Yes. We love it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, the, the problem with the the Clone Wars is, I think when Obi Wan Kenobi mentioned it in A New Hope, it sounded like this amazing thing, and you had these ideas of what it was like. And, you know, you didn't even know what a clone was, but the Clone Wars. Wow, that sounds amazing. And then to see it in this animation form, it just doesn't live up to what your imagination <laughs> i mean and it doesn't even come close i mean it's it, it seems to be you know because it's it's a sort of no stakes because you've got this mass you've got two armies that are just mass produced you know there's 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 apart from the jedi there's no you know nobody who has family or a life in these battles it's just robots versus clones and roger roger yeah, and it's no matter how many of these get killed, you can just produce some more somewhere. Well, that, Clive, that, that's you, Luke's you... ideal. Mm. Don't care about your characters, do what you like with them, because you don't. Most of his characters are not accessible. I think the uh, the Clone Wars is a classic example. You know, if they are drawn characters, then they have have even less uh, history, less. Uh, um, backgrounds and family and things you don't connect it seems that when he made the Clone Wars and went for this idea it was as you said it just disconnects you even more if you didn't have background from the films from some of these characters what would you care about anybody where would you more would you buy into these characters how would you buy into these characters there's there's nothing to them mm. Yeah, it's a bit of a spectacle fest. But, I mean, Clive, you hadn't seen this, had you, before uh, this week. Is that right? Uh, yeah, that's right. I I avoided this like the plague when it came out. <laughs> uh, because I, 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 I hated, even though I went and saw them all, of course, I hated the, the prequels. Um, so the idea of... What, more than which, the Ewok movies? 
I'm just yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, you know, the idea of seeing more of, of these characters, which I, uh, who I had no real, you know, love for, uh, and then I saw the trailer and I thought, I, I mean, it, it's weird because because the seat because the computer animation, it it sort of looks a bit computer gamey, and yet the computer games that Lucasfilm Arts was putting out at that time look better than this. You know, so it just it, it just it didn't look good at all. So, yeah, I came to this fresh and I was thinking, OK, well, maybe this is good. You know, uh, we do actually get to see some Clone Wars a little bit, but it's just very dull. And <laughs> I, I mean, it, the thing it reminded me of was kind of start the Starship Troopers uh, animated series. Yes, especially the way this, the way it starts, because although we get a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, we then get this very Starship Trooper style voiceover telling us about the state of the war. And then the trooper, then the evil Count Dooku came down and did, you know, and it's sort of, uh, the only thing that's missing is this, uh, would you like to know more? You know, <laughs> at the end of it, you know, it is, it's so Starship, it's so Starship Troopersy. And then the fact you've got all these kind of, you know, armored clone troopers who, again, it feels like that sort of, you know, grunts on the ground uh, in the battles, you know, um so then when it became this weird kind of uh oh anakin's got a, a anakin's got a uh a, a pad of one learner now which you know i have to say as far as yoda's mistakes go it goes giving anakin a, a pad of one learner uh a, a, any kind of apprentice you know uh <laughs> you know it's like you know uh oh, i kind of yeah, you know, <laughs> a bad idea this seems, you know. Um, it's, yeah. I, 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 it's, it feels, it's felt long to me, you know. It's, too, it's uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but the actual series, they're like 20-minute episodes or something like that. That's correct, yeah. yeah. This is two hours. Yeah, one uh, hour I, 38, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's long. It's, it, it's, yeah. it's, it's getting on for two hours, and it felt long. It felt... Uh, 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 even when we were just in the sort of Clone Warsy bit before we got into the whole, uh, you know, rescue mission for for Stinky, you know, it it became it was. I found it was slightly giving me a headache just because of the incessant laser fire. It, it, it's it just sort of I, I, for a while I felt a little bit worn down by it, and uh, it's oh. it's it's nice to sort of you get some original voice talent in there, for, you know, with uh, Christopher Lee and so on. Uh, but yeah, I just, I mean, after a while, it just sort of, it just kind of washed over me and I just, yeah, it, it wasn't, it wasn't for me. I mean, yeah. I thought the animation wasn't exciting either. There was nothing new. There was nothing clever. There was nothing that drew you in. It was. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's. The animation it's, style was bland. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's that thing, like you were saying, Clive, about how some of the, the video games actually look better. I mean, the, 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 the problem was uh, um, Lucas's whole thing for this was he didn't want it to be photorealistic and look like the movies. He wanted it to be stylized. And, uh, you, you know, that's kind of what you get with the with the animated shows is, is you get like a stylized version of the likeness of the people and the ships and the characters and all that sort of thing and um you're right you know you, you look at the video games where they're trying to do the opposite and make you part of 
the the film universe so therefore you've got things that do look you know practically photorealistic and um so so yes so straight away you've got even though this is set in the same universe and whatever you've got that sort of disconnect in the fact that they that they haven't gone there they've made a, a particular sort of stylistic choice um with, with these shows yeah yeah they make it look like they're easier to actually press into plastic you know the actual well yeah quite characters <laughs> yeah plasticine hair and beards and stuff <laughs> yeah you know it's it's uh um you know that that's that's kind of the choice they made and um they haven't gone quite so extreme with rebels, but he, he, even that, you know, has a, as a, as a very sort of stylized, um, look to the characters for sure. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, so overall then we're not, I mean, what about you, Alex? You've not said much about this. Did you, uh, did you like it, was, it or not really? It was tiring. It's, it, it was honestly one of those films that everything about it was tiring. Um, <laughs> You know, I always liked anime, and I, you know, I, you know, I love when sci-fi burst on with Akira when it was, you know, globally released, and you know, animation could have a style and an energy. And um, when they said, "Oh, Clone Wars animation," thought, "Well, yeah, that could be brilliant," but then George Lucas is involved, <laughs> and then it's stayed and uninteresting because he was so involved. I mean, unfortunately. Everything that's been great about Star Wars has always been when he's been pushed further to the rear, you know, and not involved in a lot of the decisions. Which well, is so- it's, it's when he's collaborated more, I think is more yeah, I fair think, to say. Um, to, to definitely, but it's just, you know, it's, it was just pure George Lucas. And I think that, you know, it's, it reminded me of things like How the Duck, you know, and things like that, you know, it's one of his his things, you know, I love this idea, I love this, and, you know, I love the, the original How the Duck cartoons, you know, the actual comics. Um, but, you know, then he destroyed that, you know, in film. Um, it's, it was, he could just play, and he's not great at building universes on his own. He needs help. Um, and I think that showed. I mean, choice of the animation style was dull. The storyline, again, avoided the whole point of this was the Clone Wars. Um, you know, it's... I like, I like sci-fi adventure, which, you know, Star Wars is, um, but it has to be an adventure, and you have to go along with the adventure, and you have to go with the characters and on their journey. And in this... They didn't really do much. <laughs> didn't really go many places, and I really didn't care what they were doing anyway. It's, it's just sad. I mean, I mean, some of the the following on series, so there were some good episodes, but overall that was just as bad. Rebels was a bit better. It seemed to have a better writing team. Um, and as Keith said, the, the the animation style they changed it slightly, um, but there was nothing to it. It really was just bland, cardboard cut out nothing which is sad you know yeah i mean and also i felt that when it came out you know we just gotten through the prequels and we were just happy it was over and so to to, to be more prequel stuff was kind of like oh please can we have enough now you know yeah but this is a license the point of this the clone wars and the animation this this new 
venture, this new direction, was you should have given him much more freedom, much more freedom to go where he wanted to do what he likes. You know, it was going into a, a long-running TV show where he can have lots and lots of episodes of characters and things like that. But no, you know, it's, it's like, let's just bore everybody before the TV series starts. Hooray! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, come on, let's, let's move on to something that's a lot more exciting. So, you know, we, we started off with, I would say, the worst one. <laughs> <laughs> so let's end with the best one. And that being uh, Rogue One. Yes. <laughs> well, it, it, yeah, my Star Wars, Rogue One, I'll tell you what, I, I watched it again today. Yeah. And uh, I, I just love this film. I can't, I really can't criticize it. Um, you, you know, I know about all the uh, con- controversy about the, uh, you know, the reshoots and all of this stuff. But, y- you know, what they've done with it works. It's seamless. It's not like Justice League reshoots where they, you know, you can see the bits that were reshot because they stand out like a th- sore thumb. You know, this this is tight. It's together. Um, you know, this is this is the Star Wars film that. I'd have wanted to make or, or be in, and um, and and you know, as irony would have it, it was a uh, English guy in his forties that made it. So there you go. <laughs> but um, yeah, I absolutely love Rogue One. Love it. Yeah, I mean, I remember when it was announced and coming out of uh, Force Awakens, you know, being quite excited by that film, thinking, yeah, we're going to get Rogue One next year. We're going to get like, you know. You know, uh, you know the a sort of kind of war film within uh, Star Wars because that's how they were kind of selling it. You know, this whole idea of uh, like a, a squad or a battalion trying to get Death Star plans. And it, it, you know, it that image of them in the bunker with the weapons and everything, looking like you know they're on their last stand, being surrounded by Imperial forces that they're having to fight off. You know, I was looking for, I was like, that, that's going to be really good. And of course, that wasn't the film we got. We got uh, more or less a heist film where the battle was to, um, was a diversion to, you know, so that the rebels could go in and, uh, and steal the plants. Um, I enjoyed I, I actually I do enjoy the film. I think it's 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 really good. It's always great to be back in that original trilogy's universe. Uh, you know, back on Yavin Four, um, seeing the old ships and everything. Uh, though I do find the first half is a bit. It's it's, it's a little bit muddled. You, you know, it, it's this weird thing where you you have a main character who's she doesn't really matter in the story you know yes yes you know because we know that in the 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 original you know she rebels (laughs) and they they wanted you know the mission was you know that they wanted to find out more about this uh weapon uh from the trailers we saw at um but in the film, it's suddenly, you know, uh, because she knew, um, I was just getting the name, the character's name, 
Saw Guerrero. Saw Guerrero. I was going to call him yeah. Shea Guerrero, but uh, Saw Guerrero. Well, surpri- <laughs> not surprising no, with no. the names. No, uh, this is no. actually a George Lucas creation. Yes. Even, even though he obviously didn't write this film or have anything to do with this film. Yeah. Yeah. The character of Saw Guerrero he did create yes. so, for the okay. Clone Wars. Yeah, so, so yeah. you know, she's there to uh, make an introduction. And then, because uh, she saw her father's message, you know, then they have to, they go to the planet. I, 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 you know, they, is that a weird thing? I didn't quite understand why they went to the planet. I don't know if they were there to rescue him or not. I mean, we know that um, Cassie and Andor's mission was to, to kill him. But, um, you know, it didn't, yeah. And I also find um, this whole idea that they, that uh, Galen Erso put this uh, flaw into the Death Star as his revenge against the Empire for, you know, what they did to him, you know, killing his wife and, uh, you know, making him uh, separated from his daughter. When in New Hope, they the rebels examined the Death Star's plans and found a weakness, you know? And it was like somebody somewhere went, oh, that's a big flaw, isn't it? Why, why would the Empire have a weakness? Because they thought the space station was so such, the, such a thing that they could never be destroyed. And some little porthole, nah, nobody's ever going to find that. So, yeah. Yeah, so I, 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 the kind of kind of reconning of that, I'm not a big fan of, but I find it a very enjoyable film. I enjoy the characters in it. I think um, the Donnie Yen and um, the other characters, the guys, the Shirat and Baze, I think they're great characters, and I wish we had a lot more of them in it than we than we get. I mean, when they they actually elevate the story when they come on screen. And the second half is great, and seeing the space battle and the the battle on the ground, brilliant. I just love love the second half. So, second half's brilliant, and the introduction of the U wing is uh, another classic ship to go with the X wing and the Y wing and the A wing. I, I'm waiting for the Z wing to come out. <laughs> I'm sure that's the next one. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it flies like a boomerang or something. Yeah. <laughs> the V wing, yes. Um. I t- so I, I, I tend to agree with you on the first half in some respects, <laughs> but the first half of the movie was um, toned down by Disney mm. because they had a reaction. Uh, um, to the characters that they couldn't let them all be killed. I mean, that's the reaction they had to people who actually, they, they showed the actual scripts to and the structure to and some of the early drafts to. And that's, it's, Disney's about appealing to everybody. So if you make the characters too, too engaging, you know, you get too into the characters, um, people will be horrified <laughs> they all die. I mean, this is classic movie. Yeah, but I mean, that's 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 the point. I mean, Gladiator works because, you know, Gladiator works because you feel for uh, Maximus, you know. So when he's deaf at the end, it's devastating. It's one character, and you're talking about a completely different, a completely different director and a completely different, uh, um, you know, story structure. You know, everybody expects Roman gladiators to be cut to pieces and everybody to die. It's not. 
this this was this was a family movie, you know, where which is Star Wars are, and um, you can see in the first half of the movie that they've cut storyline out of the characters, so you can see that there's bits missing. You don't get to get that grip of the characters. You don't feel for the characters that much, which is great because they're all going to die. It's a you know, it's it's a cat you know classic. You know, Second World War war movie, you know, most of the people are going to die in it, so you don't really get to know them. You sort of introduce them and say hello. Hmm. Uh, well, then they, probably- they kind of screwed up then because um, the best character in K2SO, when he dies, yeah. it's absolutely devastating, you know. That's a robot. See, we, we bond to them so much easier. I, I don't know why, but we always do. You know, force awakens, you know, you have this stupid little round robot thing that goes around and beeps mm. at you. You know, going back in history and you go, oh, it's so cute. You know, isn't he, isn't he lovely? And, you know, so it's, I don't know why we do it, but we do, you know. And to be honest, he was probably the most fleshed out character of all the yes. yeah. after rewrite as well. Um, you know, you, he had a journey. It's a really good point, Simon. Actually, if you think about it, he just does have the journey. You know, he's mm. the, you know, he's he's the guy who's there who's critical of everything, and you know, oh, you know, you're all terrible. Blah, 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 blah. You well, know. all he wanted was a gun, and then Jin uh, <laughs> Erso gave him a gun at the end. He was so happy. He was, <laughs> and guess to use it once, doesn't he? I mean, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. It's a fabulous film, though. If you look at it as just pure sci-fi, mm. you know it's like um, you know it's like a bridge too far or uh, where equals yeah. war movies, where you know you're going into the impregnable fortress to get the information and get out or whatever. And you know these things that um, it's great, you know, and it's um, it has a really, really, really large cast uh, um, that you sort of play with, but you never get to know them very well. Um, it's beautifully it's beautifully structured, especially especially through the middle. And into the actual, well, the final battles. Yeah. You, you know, the characters are, you know, forming this unit and coming to a, you know, understanding and. Ch- I, I like, I like, I like the film, uh, um, you know, as as a war movie in that respect. Um, but I, I do, I do wish that they hadn't quite cut as much personality out of so many of the characters hmm. as they did um, because then it would have been you know it's fun adventure and the war elements to it but then it would have been moving as well because you know I, you know weren't devastated when they all die at the end you know it's which you should be devastated they all die at the end but you weren't but that's Disney's choice and you know they didn't want you know, people to be upset because <laughs> like, it's you know it's it's meant to be a, a movie that everybody can watch. But Alex, I was under the impression that a lot of the reshoots were to soften the uh, Felicity Jones character, Jin Erso, because especially when you with some of the scenes we saw in the you know that don't appear in the final movie that were in the trailers, she yeah. comes across a lot more kind of. Uh, you know, uh, well, unsympathetic, sort of like, uh, like, like, uh, you know, doesn't want to be involved. You know, just basic, really sort of spiky and confrontational. Oh, no, and yeah. so, uh, if, if, you know, if they, if they, if you know, they made these. It seems that they were trying to make the characters more likable. 
you know, I mean, I, I think there are some, you know, sort of interesting choices to, to show people involved in the rebellion who aren't, you know, the sort of just the guys in the white hats, you know, that, that yeah. they are, you know, like people like a character like Cassian Endor, who is, who does some properly shady things, you know, uh, and, and, and he gets his moment of redemption, right? And that's his arc. But, uh, you know, previously, everyone in the in the rebellion is is a goody goody, right? But definitely, but well, she comes from a shady background. The point is that for me, you look at the characters and you go, all these people have done terrible things. All these people have had a terrible past to live pretty much for themselves, you know. And I mean, you get a flavour of that. But you don't actually get to know them, and taking making her softer and smoother and stuff like that took away her characters. Means you couldn't bond with her, you couldn't see her, you couldn't see the journeys that she makes. The decision that well, I'm going to do this and die. Well, uh, okay, right. Sorry, I, I, I was misunderstanding your point. I think. I mean, it, it, that was how you responded to that. But I feel like that the reason that they made the choice was to try and was that they felt it would help people engage with her more, but you're saying it, it, it had the opposite effect for you. Well, it, it made her, there was nothing, until we get to the point where, she, you know, she's standing on, you know, she's standing on the ship going, come on, guys, we're all going to go and die together. You know, she's, she's sort of, yeah, <laughs> you know, oh, you know, uh, they, they left me alone, and, you know, my dad's been somewhere, but I haven't really been bothered about him. It doesn't, you know, it's nothing, there was nothing visceral, nothing real about her. It was, I mean, <laughs> my, my problem, my, my only problem with the film is the characters had so little to them. There, there wasn't enough background. There wasn't enough understanding of where they'd come from, you know. But then again, it's a war movie. You know, so if you take it on that side of it, you know, look at it as classic war movie, it's brilliant. You know, you don't know too much about the characters, you get little snippets, you know, guns from their own, you know, it's like all the yeah. characters get little tiny snippets of their backgrounds <clears throat> being between each other. And it's great. Um, but, you know, I'd, I'd, when you look at it and, you, you know, you see all the, the original trailers and the TV skits and stuff like that that they did and the bits cut out and you think, Wait a sec, <laughs> you know it's like uh, you know, dirty rotten scoundrels where uh, um, he kicks the woman into the harbour in the trailer that you never see on you never see on the film. It's one of the funniest things I've ever seen, you know. And it never made it to the film, and it really summed up his character, you know. As, but again, it's you know, it would have made it much darker. And I would have quite liked that, but maybe you know, I don't. Not saying that they did wrong, because I really enjoyed the film. You know, it really was. You know, for me, it's it's probably the best Star Wars movie. You know, since Empire. You know, it, it had everything that you wanted from sci-fi and adventure and action and war. You know, it was. You know, yeah. and we don't have to wait for a sequel that could be terrible because there won't be one. <laughs> yes, I mean that is the nice thing. It is a, a standalone film. There's, there is not going to be the continuing adventures of Jen Erso and Cassian Andor. Oh, Jen Erso the younger. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, there I, is a sequel. There is a sequel called Star Wars, I believe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, can can I just say something? Um, 
after watching this, after watching this, I went and watched A New Hope the next day and yeah. it does not match up. For the obvious reason, you get the ending, you get to see, you know, everybody loves the ending with Darth Vader going to town, which, yeah, it's great. And it does look like it's something, it, it reminds me of the corridor scene in Akira when Kaneda uh, is taking on like all the guards and just, you know, you know, throwing them up in the ceiling and, and, and Darth Vader says, you know, lightsabering and all this stuff. I mean, it's really, you know, this, it's the stuff of horror films. Yet, so... But then in the beginning of Star Wars, he, he's a little tired, you know. He's he must be that effort must have taken a, taken it out of him because he just walks in and looks around, you know. He just goes, "Where's the correlation between you know this Darth Vader and that Darth Vader?" That's a good point about the correlation between the films, isn't mm. it? It's then you have to come back. I think to the, uh, the CGI right? characters. You know, you basically, you know, it's a great moment. It's something you didn't think was going to happen. I mean, the the whole bit when they're going to, the uh, capital ship's trying to escape and Darth Vader's um, star destroyer turns up and just knocks them aside is, you know, it, it's just great. And, uh, you know, as I say, that, that scene, it's, it is, you, you, it's, it's so enjoyable, but then you go, but as I say, then you go and watch A New Hope and, um, you know, you go, wow, he must have got, he, he, he needed a rest, you know, all this chasing the plans. <laughs> yeah, and, also, and also the fact, yeah. Rosy cheeked, yeah. Well, yes, that was kind of funny when uh, her cameo at the end, a very CGI-tastic, where she goes, was it, they, they, what's this, this? I can't remember what the, the, the line the, the guy says. It's like, what's this? And she goes, Help. <laughs> it does it does make me laugh at the end that bit. It's funny. Yeah. Mm. Like, it, do you know it's um it's one of those things that I'm not quite sure why they put it in. You know, it's I mean you could have just seen somebody hand off the plans to uh, you know, somebody in a white cloak you know with her back to and stuff like that and that would have been fabulous yes but to actually then cgi her and um you know have that line it's like there's this their choices i suppose i mean it doesn't ruin the film doesn't destroy the film well i mean the the other thing as well was that the blockade runner was supposedly you know on a mission to get obi-wan kenobi from tatooine and you know and my, from what I understand in New Hope, that they received a transmission of these plans, not from a planet, but from, say, another ship. So to have the actual blockade runner within the belly of that capital ship seemed really weird to me. Because they even say in the film, you know, you you have uh, Bell Organa there uh, on Yavin, and he'll say, he says, oh, yes, I'm going to send somebody to... To, to get my, you know, your old Jedi friend. And, uh, yeah, I trust her, you know, explicitly. So, yeah, it, it was kind of weird that she was actually part of that battle. Yeah, I suppose. I, but then, you know, if you just throw, you know, if you just throw a, a quick attention to it, it's fine. But when you make a point of it that, you know, you have to come and talk to her and she has to have the, the line that takes him to the next movie, it's... Mm. I mean, why... If you go back to the uh, Governor Tarkin... You know, it's like, our, um, he was brilliant. 
it's like you know a much much nastier than he was in <laughs> a new hope you know he, you know and the actor has been dead for what 15 20 years yeah i must admit the first time i saw it and when it was just like it was his reflection in the window i thought oh that's a really interesting way of doing it you know mm. you, you're, you're kind of hiding it quite well and then he turned around and went oh okay and then there was other scenes so the first time i watched it it those scenes kind of knocked me out because it's like, yeah, we know this is not Peter Cushing or, you know. Yeah, Peter yeah. Cushing, even though he was trying to be hard, much harder in uh, um, New, New Hope, Hope yeah. um, his, uh, his CGI doppelganger is a lot scarier <laughs> and you know, much harsher. Yeah, but I mean, with uh, subsequent viewings, I, I don't mind it so much. Um, you know, it, it, it's, 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 no, it's no Jar Jar. No, no, I, I enjoyed it. It was, I thought it was quite well thought out, you know. Um, yeah. I thought the sort of Darth Vader is sort of well thought out, you know, not impinging on the story too much, you know. I, I think that they, they kept quite a lot of uh, quite a lot of that out, you know. Um, mm. You know, the Emperor's wear, you know, it's all the things that you, they to keep it the story away, you know, it's a side. It's outside of the main issues it's yeah i thought that would work quite well um i know it's the production values were fabulous the, the design and uh, yeah. it was it was great fun you know and actually watching the death star partially destroy things instead of wiping out that <laughs> in the blink of an eye was great fun yes you know? yeah yeah i i have to say um um one of the things i quite liked even though i i don't understand quite why it's in the film but I do like the fact that we have Darth Vader's castle, which is on, I guess it's Mustafa or a volcano. volcano yeah, it, and that was one of those things that I believe came out of the comic books or um, uh, original, you know, from some of the fiction. So to actually see that and to, you know. Wasn't that based on some original concept art by Ralph McQuarrie? That's right. Well, yes, yeah. but I, I, I do remember that the Darth Vader's castle because it was Darth Vader's castle. The um, the Ralph McQuarrie stuff was the Emperor's throne room, which was based on a volcano planet. So we're, we're actually talking about Darth Vader's castle. This is his own fortress that he had. It was something that came, I do remember, if it, it must have come out of the comic books or maybe it was from Splinter of the Mind Eyes, but yeah. Splinter of the Mind Eyes is the one that I would have thought it would yeah. come from. Yeah, yeah. Because that predates most of the others. Yeah, so it, it was great to see that, but it did seem to be a bit too much that um, the Ben Madison character would fly all the way to this volcano planet just for this one meeting. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's, it's, it's also it's, it's also the one bit in the film where they don't actually put because one one of the things this film does do, um, you know, which is sort of outside of the other. It's it's really weird. I I, I look at it and I think. Wherever there's blue text, they've kept it like the other Star Wars stuff. And wherever there's yellow text, they've gone different. But um, what, one of the things they they don't do, you keep getting uh, titles of every planet they're at, because obviously it does yes. jump around quite a bit. Yeah. But the one that you don't get is when they go to Mustafar. It's like they miss that for some reason. And it's like, ah, why didn't they put that up? They put it for every <laughs> other planet. Because it's be <laughs> ambiguous, isn't it? Like, I suppose so. Yes. No. But but um but yeah, it's it's 
you, you know, I, I must admit, for me, it really is the 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 best Star Wars film since the original trilogy. Um, for me, by a long way, you know, uh, I just think you know it's kind of got that magnificent seven uh, stroke wild bunch uh, meets almost, Star Wars yeah, almost, feel yeah. to it, and um, uh, you, you know, it's 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 yeah, I just think it's it's just works really well. And um, as I said, I know I know about obviously the, the 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 fact that the trailers got loads of stuff that didn't end up in the film for whatever reason and and stuff, but. You know, I still think that in the version that we've got, it all holds together really well and in it works. End, yeah, in the end, Keith, I don't know if if they'd stay with the original and the characters had that little bit more, you know, hard edge. That it it would have worked. Yeah, you know, it would have been nice to see. Um, it would have been nice to see. I just, I think it would have made it a bit harder, a bit darker. You know. Um, yeah, I'd I'd like that even more. Um, <laughs> but it's a great film. Um, and you said it really holds together. It's really enjoyable from start to beginning, you know, start, you know, right through and brilliant ending, you know, and it's classic, yeah. isn't it? You know, everybody dies. Brilliant. Hooray. Yeah. And they went there, you know, which was, which was great. They, you know, they, they didn't sort of, um, wimp out of that in any way, shape or form, you know, which again makes it tie into, to the rest of the, the saga that much better. Indeed. Um, yes. You know. So. So, Clive, what did you think? I, well, I mean, I, I I concur with a lot of you what you're saying. I I I think it's a film with a great ending, but there's a lot of choppy stuff in there as well. But which I kind of forgive because the ending leaves you with such a sort of tremendous sort of rush of kind of Star Wars feels. Uh, you know that it's it's like oh man this feels like Star Wars it feels like my Star Wars it's like you know uh, there's the Darth Vader scene you know I, I was kind of like so I was like a little kid in the cinema when I was watching that <laughs> it was it was so effective uh, and it, obviously I mean you know the end scene not the one where where he's sort of you know uh, playing games with uh, with Krennic um, although that that was kind of amusing mm. um, but. Uh, there, there's some strange things in there, you know, the Sol Guerrero and the Mind Squid stuff. <laughs> is, it, it is, yeah, it is. It's like, what is that about, you know? And yeah, it's sort of, it, it's, it kind of, it does, it takes some odd tracks. I mean, I think uh, what one thing Gareth Edwards is very good at, and you see it in his other movies, you know, whether it's you know Monsters or uh, Godzilla. Is, is this thing of showing of really showing scale well, mm-hmm. you know? So you get some really nice uh, shot choices which you haven't seen in Star Wars before, where you really get a sense of just how massive star destroyers are, and just how sort of small the uh, you know the, the rebels are in comparison, and you know it just sort of these just sort of uh, you know little sort of directorial moments which I think uh, work really well. Um, I do think Jin's character, it does, you know, for me, Keith, I do feel that there are those joins there. But, you know, ultimately, it's the ending sort of uh, hides a lot of those flaws. So, 
Yeah, I really enjoy it. At least their hair stays the same. <laughs> well, that, that's the important thing, I guess. Uh, yeah. I tell you one, the one thing that makes me laugh about this film, it's this uh, Sol Guerrero character. Every time he gets that uh, oxygen mask out, I always think he's going to go like full Frank from Blue Velvet. You know? Uh, yeah. It's, yes. yeah. It's like, Daddy wants to fuck. <laughs> yeah. e- e- either that or he's going to have a helium voice one, one, or, the, one or the other uh, yeah, yeah it's yeah talk about an underused character yes well. yeah and it sort of he sort of shows up on a hatch and then has you know a wheezing fit in his bill <laughs> base and then he's dead it's like oh okay yeah and the fact <laughs> that the that you have like this extremist in the rebels, you know. You thought, the, you know, you thought the the, the the Imperials thought the rebels were bad, but they actually have somebody who's even worse, who's sort of more extreme, will just you know take them on head on and doesn't care about casualties and stuff like that. You know, was a kind of an interesting character, but you know, yeah. but, but again, is how much to be how much to be serving. How much did we know about him? Not it's, much, and uh, I, I want to know what this dream is. That he needs that he needs protecting. Protect the dream. It's like what? Uh, what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. See, a lot of lines like that, even though they're quite arresting in the performances and things like that, suggest that there's dialogue just being cut wholesale from scenes. You know, it's that, or it's it's written to be trailer fodder. You know, it, it sounds great in a trailer. Mm. Yeah, but then. What purpose does it serve for the film? Exactly. <laughs> That's why it's trailer fodder. I mean, it's you just take the line from Justice League when uh, Flash asks Bruce Wayne, what do you do? And he goes, I'm rich. <laughs> you know, that, what's your superpower? Oh, right. And he's like, yes, I'm rich. Yeah. But it's like, it should have been, I'm Batman. It's easy. <laughs> that doesn't work to be in that vein because he has no superpower. You know, he can cantankerous old git, you know, is basically what Batman is. Yes, but he's Batman. Doesn't yeah, matter what his superpower is, he's Batman. So? <laughs> you guys don't watch uh, How It Should Have Ended, do you? <laughs> uh, I, I know what you mean, Simon. Yes. Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, dear. I watch too much YouTube. There you go. Gee. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, the worrying thing is, is this gonna, is this Rogue One gonna set a trend for these standalones? You know, the next one is uh, uh, it's Solo. It's the Han Solo, Han Solo film. So the problem with that is Solo has to survive. <laughs> so, um, so is Luke. Yeah. So does he have- yeah, but the third, the third one will be many Bothans die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we know nothing about that story, do we? Uh, well, we know that many Bothans died. died we yes. do know that much. But uh, <laughs> that might have to involve Ewoks as well. <laughs> <laughs> Ewoks riding Bothans. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, yeah, uh, I, I, I do wonder if uh, with these standalone films, are we going to get another Ewok standalone film? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you sure? No, it's, 
Disney, well, Disney, Disney, Disney do their due diligence and check the stats and <laughs> box office. Do Do you mean uh, that we're not going to get the Jar Jar Binks standalone film? <laughs> I think we won't get the Jar Jar Binks standalone. <laughs> yeah. I mean, one thing is Disney have because of the success of you know these three films is they're they're delaying the TV series again. Mm. That might be 2021 now. So, and that could have been <laughs> Char Char Pink's returns. <laughs> well, apparently, um, Lucas Lucas had written over 100 episodes of the yeah, TV they, series. And they've been you know. there because that was based around uh, Knights of the Old Republic. And Disney just wanted the uh, the TV rights to that so they could, they could uh, um, continue with the games. So, right. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, definitely, you know, we're going to get more and more Star Wars and it's going to go in a lot of different directions. And it's that old thing, you know, um, the, 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 the sort of classic fans, you, you know, the, 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 the Generation X, if you like, uh, of Star Wars. You know, we, 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 need to, we need to let go of it and get on board the Millennial Falcon. I, I disagree. I, disagree. <laughs> I think I think Abrams reinvigorated the series and brought it back to give us a, a hope of a new hope mm. of uh, actually really? getting some Star Wars that we want, you know, that we can enjoy. I think he really has opened the door to that and really pushed it hard in that direction. And I think Rogue One was probably you know a consequence of of his his input and his direction that he'd taken the series again. Yeah, because right one felt like Star Wars, you know. Yeah, yeah. and I I hope that Disney, you know, I think I'd 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 like to see like the original cut of of this. I know they're not going to do it, but it, it's you know somewhere down the line. Go on, put it on a Blu-ray DVD. It would be it would be fantastic to see what could have been disney disney like a, a good a good money earner mm. and i think yeah take it a few years down the road and i think you probably will yeah and i think I, I i hope that they release the the original trilogy in its original state no. i don't know i don't know how difficult that's going to be they can't do that they cannot do that they do not have the rights to amend the star wars that was preceded the purchase of the franchise Unless Lucas changes his mind, not a chance on hell. <laughs> Hold on, Lucas changing his mind. That mm. <laughs> <laughs> may happen then. <laughs> or it might be, or it might be like uh, it was with Kubrick that after his death, certain films that was then made available, like Clockwork Orange and also uh, Fear and Desire, which is the film that he took off the shelf for a long time. Have you seen Lucas in the last 20 years? He looks like he's been sort of, you know, frozen in exactly the same. It's like <laughs> the guy's going to outlive us all. Yeah. It's very disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think on that point, we do. Uh, I'm end. not sure that's a good note. No, is it not? Or what's, <laughs> a, what's, what's a good <laughs> Lucas is going to outlive us all. Well, you know, I mean... You know, we we have to, we have to respect the Lucas because we wouldn't have any of we wouldn't be oh. having this conversation if it wasn't for him. You know what I mean? So uh, definitely, you know. But I would never forgive him for the prequels. Mm. <laughs>
It's that simple. I can forgive him for Ewoks, you know, and even and not Jar Jar Binks. Yeah, yeah not Jar Jar Binks. No, it's just, it's that simple, really. Yeah. <laughs> well, and any and to to finish up then, any any cl- closing thoughts from each of you about Star Wars and where it's going? I have some thoughts, and and I, I guess it's just from watching these uh, movies and TV movies and TV specials that we've that we've just watched. And I, and I sort of feel like you've almost got that there's there's a lot of it feels like there's a lot of choices open now in terms of how you take Star Wars on and you know those and obviously we've got you know the completion of the current uh, main trilogy and then and now apparently uh, we've got we're going to have a new trilogy with all new characters. But the idea of this sort of, if they keep up with the anthology movie every other year, what will those standalone movies be like? And I feel like we've got almost two different uh, templates, you know. One is just to go back and almost fully embrace them just being nostalgia fests, where it's fan service, they're filling in, you know, quote-unquote gaps in stories and sort of, uh, I mean... Did we really need to? I mean, you know, don't be wrong. I, I I I love Rogue One, but did we really need to know how the rebels got hold of the plans for the Death Star? Not really. Yes, but, damn it. No, no we didn't, Keith. No. <laughs> but uh, but you know, but ultimately we got a great film out of it. But and and now we're going and now this sort of going back to young Han Solo. This all feels of kind of like, you know, it, it's sort of following the sort of template set by Clone Wars. You know, this sort of like to sort of fill in the gaps. Whereas I almost, you know, uh, I, I, I I almost wish that, that they would take more the example of the Ewok movies. And I don't mean by do them cheaply and uh, and with poor effects for television. I mean, I, I mean, take the story forward. You know, it's a big universe. Not all the stories have to be about the Skywalker uh you know saga and the big and the big and the big battles they can be smaller stories you know uh you know it's a big universe there's already you know tons of different you know alien races uh you know even if even if you are still looking at you know rebels or resistance you know uh, or or the kind of you know uh, or the ins and outs of the empire or the first order there's there's plenty of scope for different new stories, you know, and that's without even sort of going into things that have already been part explored in comics and books and uh, you know various different extended media. You know, I feel like that's almost what those are for. You know, that that's what those have done really well in the past. So now to have the films go down that road as well, do we really want that? I don't know. I mean, I mean. If they're all as good as Rogue One, sure. But I, I sort of wish that they take a bit more, uh, a, a few more chances. You know, the thing you is, can... that there's so many stories out there to tell, aren't there? It's you, you're right. That's the thing that I I think that you know we're going to get the third in this new trilogy, and you know it's just going to be well, you've told the same story all over again. Um. There's so much sci-fi written, so many stories written. It can't be that difficult, can it? I, mean, I think Clyde's right. They need to go in a new direction. 
I think they need to try something new. You know, they're saying new characters, but it needs to be a new story. And I agree. I agree completely. And um, you know, you know, it is it is a massive uh, universe. The Star Wars one uh, with you know a lot of history and stuff and cultures. So absolutely, I'm in total agreement that they need to take it in different places, uh, which isn't going to please everyone, but. Um, you know, is what it's about, and and I'm all for it. I only wish I was involved in some of it. That would be great. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, you better play a, did, a dodgy old guy on some planet in the most distant <laughs> Yeah, th- th- thanks, mate. I, I, I was thinking a rebel or a Jedi knight. You know, not a dodgy old. Dude, I like to be a Jedi. You know. yeah. I mean, you know, one of the things, one of the things of the Star Wars uh, uh, universe that I think that. <laughs> They they keep coming back to, but I think which was quite refreshing in in some parts of Rogue One was the the Jedi thing was background. It sort of you know it wasn't in the forefront. You know you had the Vader, you know coming into it more close to the end. But it was quite nice to actually tell the stories when you know and have the characters when there wasn't the Force involved. When it yeah, wasn't. no no Force or lightsabers, you know, uh, until the very I, end. So yeah, it's I quite like that. You know. Yeah. Perhaps you know. Perhaps the direction is, you know, uh, um, that it is in the background, and you don't have to follow those. It doesn't have all be about the Jedi. It doesn't have to be huge, you know, galactic battles all the time, does it? Um, it's just Clive said, it's a big universe, lots of stories, lots of fun stories. Um, Absolutely. And, and it doesn't, all, you know, some of it will be yeah. serious and some of it will be amusing. And again, you know, there's there's room for both. So absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I, I just hope that we, we see, a, you know, a lot more variety in the, in the stories, you know, give us something different. Give us like a like a spy thriller, you know, tell tell that story of the Bothams to show how, you know, they plans and they you know risked everything to, to to get those the the next death star plans uh but you know i i don't know if disney's kind of prepared to take those risks i mean they didn't i mean yes they they kind of gave us a war film but they didn't really fully embrace it it's it's it wasn't what i was expecting to see i was expecting to see you know i mean the the advertising that had the the rebel helmet, like the full metal jacket helmet. And I was like, I'd, I'd like to see a film like that. I'd like to see it from the, the grunt's point of view, you know, down on the ground in this battle fighting for their lives. And you don't know, you know, there's, there's, it, it's a, a live or die situation. You know, those are the stakes. And, uh, you know, that's, I'd like to see that, but they, you know, the problem is Disney. They want a general audience. They're not going to go for niche, and um, so we we are going to kind of get more of the same stuff, kind of crowd pleasing, kind of spectacle. Going to have big battles, um, you know. But you have to say that Disney took a huge risk with Rogue One. You know, here here's loads of new characters that you're going to be introduced to and then they're all going to die. <laughs> you know, that's a, that's a big, that's a big call. 
for uh, you know. Uh... Yeah, uh, you can still buy the figures. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, but I, I would say if if Disney had, I think it would have been more of a risk if that was the first film that came out. If De- definitely, you yeah. know, if if uh, Force Awakens wasn't the massive hit it was, you would have found that Rogue One may have got shelved. You know, so maybe yeah yeah i mean yeah. It, 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 you know at the end of the day disney's about those disney bucks and uh disney dollars disney dollars yeah, yeah. Well, disney's an odd company you know it's um everybody always has or still has the impression that disney is this you know from all disney and this animation thing and buena vista and these sort of comedies and um but they're involved in you know a lot of production companies that produced a lot of you know, more adult orientated films oh and yeah big time mm. and things like that so it's I, I, I think the difference now is Disney has suddenly become the biggest thing you know they, they bought Marvel you know they, they bought Lucas out of Star Wars you know they've they've, they've just bought um, the, the X-Men Fox stuff haven't they and yeah. all that as well so they're they're basically you know wrapping it all up. You know, I wouldn't be surprised in the next couple of years that they take over DC and there's a you know actual decent DC movie made for once. Um, well, I mean, what, one of the things one of the things I will say for Disney though is they seem to you know they let Marvel Studios do their thing. They let Lucasfilm, you know, Kathy Kennedy and whatever do 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 their thing. They don't um, you know you know they don't sort of mess with the actual property itself they own it but they don't mess with it from 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 what i can see um and you know those films have been successful you know as, as a result and the trouble is everything else seems to want to copy marvel which is which is part of the problem now i think but uh but that's yeah, but a whole other discussion but then, sorry. but then disney managed to keep things very very separate you know um the, the actual Marvel films and the style and the structure hasn't impacted on their other franchises, hasn't impacted on their, it's, you know, the, the Star Wars thing, you know, basically they, they gave it to uh, JJ to actually to give it a new life. You know, um, pretty much gave pretty rain. And he did. He did give it new life. So, yeah. I mean, cool. it's, it's, you know, Disney, I don't think are, you know, incarnation of all evil, quite yet. Give them a few more years. Um, so they may surprise us. They may actually, you know, they may actually sign off on some some decent, you know, hardcore sci-fi for the Star Wars universe, which could be fabulous. Yeah. Well, well, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, what we do know is um, from here to God knows when, we're going to get a Star Wars film every year. Yeah, right. there'll be plenty of it. We'll be we'll be sick we'll of it. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? <laughs> yeah, you know? who thought you'd get sick of decent Marvel films? But you know, game that way. <laughs> anyway, I just wish I was a kid again. Bloody hell, it would be amazing. So, uh, I think that's I think that's a good place to end it. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, uh, Clive, where can people find out more about your work? Uh, they can uh, look at some of my more recent films as a uh, filmmaker at, at 
Vimeo, they go there and enter my name, Clive then they'll find me there. And uh, Anthony, where can people find out more about your work? Anthony. Sorry, Alex, shit. Anthony left. Okay, edit point, edit point. A lot of stuff is still online, it's connected with Keith. So, <laughs> uh, and, but hopefully uh, more in uh, some bookstores. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Hopefully soon. Yes. Oh, well done. Nice. And uh, Kenneth, where can we find your work? <laughs> you wish we got Kenneth Branner on. Wow. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, uh, if you go to um, YouTube and put in British Isles, E-Y-L-E-S, as in my last name, you can find uh, films that I've made there. And as always, you can find my work at uh, independentrunnings.com. Uh, you can find this podcast on itunes stitcher youtube and all good podcast providers you can follow us on uh, facebook and twitter just search movie heaven movie hell and please leave us a rating and review on itunes and stitcher it all helps and i'd just like to take this opportunity to thank all of the guests that we've had on the various filmmaker guests that we've had on in the last year uh for movie heaven movie hell and to wish our listeners uh, a Merry Christmas, and um, we will be back with uh, more interesting stuff, hopefully, in 2018. Yes, we've, we've got some uh, some good stuff lined up, and uh, and hopefully we might get back to talking about some directors. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> but there'll always be heaven and hell. <laughs> That's it. So. Happy Life Day, everyone. Yup nub. <laughs> Oh my stars, I've never been so busy before. It seems Christmas arrives sooner each year. What a merry Christmas this will be Christmas in the stars Out among the stars Lighting up a Christmas tree Come on everyone and sing ask a question like that. Of course I'm getting ready for Christmas. It's all right here on my list. I've got mistletoe and holly. I've got peppermints and lollipops and 20 different kinds of chocolate bars. Everyone will be delighted. Even I am quite excited getting ready for Christmas in the stars. Yes, Artu, of course it's terrific, but there's more. Everyone will have a cookie. I bought extra for the I just hope that everybody can be here. If they all have marked the date, and if none of them is late, we'll have our greatest of Christmases this year.
is that droid floating? Because he is wearing hover skates. Take those off, R5-D4. We are supposed to build the toys, not play with them. If they're not ready by Christmas, as Claus will be furious. I agree, R2. We had better help them. Perhaps Chewie can help, too. Watch out, R5-D4. Christmas in the stars. What a merry Christmas this will be. Christmas in the stars. Out among the stars. What a merry, merry Christmas. A very merry Christmas this will be. My silly friend is the sound of bells. What are bells? Yeah. <laughs>